Yeah, I think we do that, and, and there's nothing shameful about it, because, but in God's grace, he knows we need to survive. He knows to get through the hard times. We, mm-hmm. we have to make vows, you know, that strong part of us that overcomes. And, but here's the beauty. God's saying what worked for us in one season isn't what I intend for you for mm-hmm. a lifetime. Mm-hmm. We were not created to carry the burden, to walk alone, and to constantly be strong. And that God wants us to let go of one of those vows we made earlier in our lives. And one of those vows is, I need to keep the peace no matter what. You are loved by God. Well, welcome to See, Here Love, another great episode of conversations that will change your life. And I'm really excited to be listening and speaking with Bonnie Gray. Um, A little bit about Bonnie Gray. She has endured panic attacks, anxiety and depression for years, all rooted in her traumatic childhood. And as an adult, Bonnie embraced her identity as God's beloved child. And her healing began. She found the strength to make peace with her past and imagine a joyful and hopeful future. So today, Bonnie is a soul care expert. She's the host of a wellness podcast entitled Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Everybody needs to listen to that. And her latest and most personal book is called Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. Um, What I love about Bonnie and this conversation and her story is that her story is is really will resonate and resonates with me um, for people who have found themselves stuck in a cycle of perfectionism, emotional exhaustion, and toxic relationships, and really dealing with PTSD. And you know, Bonnie says that she longs to help women take steps to get unstuck, make peace with the past, and build a new legacy of faith and joy for themselves and their families. So I know you're going to enjoy her story. Her thoughts on her family, her mother, her journey of, of discovery, uh, so much good stuff. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with the formidable Bonnie Gray. So See Here Love is passionate about justice for everyone, everywhere. And that's why we are so honored to partner with IJM Canada, an organization working toward just that. IJM Canada's mission is to protect people in poverty from violence by rescuing victims, bringing criminals to justice, restoring survivors to safety and strength, and helping local law enforcement build a safe future that lasts. If you'd like to be a part of this work, go to IJM.ca and find out how you can become a freedom partner today and help rescue and protect millions of people worldwide. Bonnie Gray, it is such a pleasure to have you here on See Here Love. Uh, Welcome, and welcome to Canada. I am so (laughs) excited. I love being able to talk to my Canadian sisters across right here, our neighbors. (laughs) No, I am so glad you're here, and I'm so glad because I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories. I love listening to stories. And what I'm really um, looking forward to is hearing your incredible story. Uh, There's so many layers. 
there's so many places we could go and we don't have five hours, Bonnie, but um, I'm just so fascinated about your story. So I think first of all, I wanna just, for our viewers and listeners to get to know you, Bonnie, like who you are, bit of your background before we kind of get into the story with Sweet Like Jasmine. And then I want to talk about some really three things that kind of popped out at me, which I, I think is fascinating. Your own story about perfectionism, toxic relationships, and emotional exhaustion. And I, and I say those because those are things that I know a lot of women deal with and men and even myself. So why don't we first get to know you as a new sister and a new girlfriend and uh, yeah, hear about you, who you are. Okay, well, you know, I love stories too. In fact, you know, stories is really um, became my safe place. I grew up in a home that was very toxic. There was a lot of verbal and emotional abuse. And I didn't think that that was like abnormal, meaning, I mean, that's when you grow up, I mean, that's all you know, right? So I learned from very young age, it's better to be quiet unless I had something to contribute that would help anybody. It didn't matter how I felt or what I thought about anything. I learned very early and I know we're gonna get into those stories, but the reason why I started with that is because I love stories so much. They were my safe place where I felt like I was actually on planet Earth. Whenever I felt I could open a book, my books were my first friends. I was born in San Francisco, Chinatown. My mother was a mail order bride from Hong Kong and she was 18 when she had me. She was 17 when she emigrated here to meet my father. My father was a busboy in a noodle shop in San Francisco, Chinatown in a Golden Gate restaurant. And those who are kind of familiar with the Asian American history experience here in California, that's where like the gangs basically shot up. I mean, that's the kind of history that I was born into. So a lot of people say like, hey, what if uh, your story was a blank page? What would you wanna be? Like, I don't connect with that, Melinda, because mm -hmm. I felt like I was born into a story, a script that was already written for me. Hmm. And so I kind of, you know, hid that part of my story. And it's so interesting that many of us do that, right? We kind of decide, well, we're our own editor. Okay, what is that we're going to show to others? And what is that we're just mm -hmm. going to keep to ourselves? And there's nothing wrong with that. I thought that's pretty normal. I mean, when I stepped out the doorway to go to school, I need to figure out, hey, what do people talk about? Let, let, me, let me figure out what do people like to talk about so I can participate. But when I stepped through the doorway back at home, it was like I was in another world. And so that's kind of that split world where there wasn't a place where both parts of myself could be together. At home, I was home Bonnie. Then went to school, I was positive, cheerful Bonnie. And it seemed like there wasn't one place that I was both person. So, you know, this book, Sweet Like Jasmine, mm -hmm. Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. You know, I never felt I was lonely, Melinda. Um, I felt loneliness was like maybe may, having difficulty making friends or not having a social circle. But I learned later on, we'll get into the story, that loneliness is really um, an internal way we feel about ourselves. There's, there's parts of us that we kind of cut out. And there is mm -hmm. loneliness because we're hiding our hearts, we're hiding our stories. There, there isn't a place where we can share our true voice. And it manifests itself in ways that I wouldn't expect. In fact, I tell you, Melinda, part of my um, growing up experience in faith, I did meet Jesus at a very young age, right when my parents split, when I was seven. And it's so interesting, a lot of people that I meet 
I don't know what it is about marriages. At the seventh year or eighth year, a lot of people say, my parents also divorced when I was seven or eight or nine. Something about that (laughs) period of marriage Mm -hmm. is... I have heard that. I have actually heard that. And I just celebrated my five-year anniversary, and we were talking about that. Like, seven is coming up. We were going to be strong. Thank you for the – thank you. <laughs> but we're going to be strong through this and, you know, and get through that. But, yeah, I have heard that about that seven years, like the seven-year itch or seven-year something that challenges marriages and relationships. Yeah, so it was at that point that my father left, and it was so – um, jolting and every woman's gonna have the experience maybe it's not your father maybe it was um, you know an ex-boyfriend it could be a co-worker maybe you're trying to work something out and they just leave it could be a girlfriend that stabbed you in the back that you didn't expect um, I don't know what that moment is for you but it, we're never prepared right we're never prepared yeah. for those moments and I didn't realize later that actually it's called trauma I would have never used that word Okay, so I woke mm-hmm. up one morning, rubbed the sleep off my eyes, and I, I noticed that my dad's suitcases are packed next to the door. I'm like, what is going on? And my parents are arguing and fighting, and it's right at that screen door. Okay, they're fighting and arguing, and then the, next, the last memory I have of my father is he's driving off in his Nova. This is back in the 70s, the olive green Nova yeah. with the peeling paint. <laughs> on the rooftop, squealing tires out of the driveway. And I'm like, where is dad going? I was crying and my mother, she said, get over here. She's pulling out our photo album, family photo albums, taking, yanking the photos out and she's cutting up the photos right in the middle of his faces. It's like, you know, shredded, you know, weeds under a lawnmower, just the whole living room floor was covered and she's like, get those pictures out of your dad and I want you to cut them up she shoved a pair of scissors in my hands and I'm literally cutting up photos of my father and I thought oh my gosh I need to somehow save one photo I was kind of trying to be sneaky and hide it my mom caught me and she said what are you doing I said look I'm not in this photo you're not in the photo can I just keep one she literally dragged me dragged me over to the phone and she's like you love your dad so much you go pack your bags and let's get you there now I'm gonna call him I'm gonna call him now right then and there Melinda I stopped crying right then and there really I did not ask any questions I said no mom no mom I'm okay I'm okay no I I don't want to go And we do that, don't we? You know, when we face rejection or when we face those moments where we realize we're kind of reading a person's uh, body language or their facial reaction, Mm -hmm. we're like, okay, oh, what? Uh, Never mind, never mind. I I, I don't need to say this or I don't need to feel this or I don't need to ask questions. Um, People that get gaslighted um, would understand this. Suddenly you're you're kind of confused. Like, oh, yeah, what was I thinking anyways? Oh, yeah, I, I don't need that or... I don't even know what I was thinking. Never mind, you know. So that part of that rejection, putting our hearts to the side, okay, I learned that very early on, and I learned kind of that family code of silence, silence, keeping the peace at all costs. And um, 
you know, that was a moment where I remember I never saw my father again, never came back. I would check my mailbox every time it was my birthday, kind of secretly hoping, hey, maybe this toxic mom I have, maybe she's the one that's like hiding all these cards. I would try to come back from school, but there was never a card. I thought, okay, maybe when I turn 18, when I graduate from high school, you know, maybe there'll be a man as the crowds disperse, you know, after we get our diploma, he'll come over to me, you know, like one of those movies. He'll come over to me saying, I'm your father, Bonnie. I waited till you're 18 so your mom can't stop me from seeing you. Well, nobody, nobody came. Nobody emerged, Melinda. So right then and there, I remember I was 18. And I said, okay, that's so childish. Forget it. My life is not a Hallmark movie. Just move on. You've never had him in your life. You don't need him now. And so I just abandoned that part of my life. And, you know, as Christians, I really held on and lavished um, that word. I'm a new creation. But I took it in a way that meant I'm going to erase my past. I just want everything new. Wow. Whoa, that's that's something to land on, Bonnie, where we, we, we've taken that verse and said, new creation, wow, don't look at the past. I don't need to worry about it, need to deal with it. It's gone, it's gone, and now I'm just going to head on to my future. But And even I know that when you don't deal with the past, it will come and bite you big time and impact you in the future, in your future relationships, in the way you work, in the way you see yourself, in the way you see God. And I can imagine that's what happened to you. Obviously, within your story, you realize that when you're not dealing with, I mean, and so much, Bonnie, like this, this two-person young girl, Bonnie at school, Bonnie at home, the trauma of your parents divorcing and leaving and watching visually your mom cut the picture up of your dad, right? Your dad being a completely absent father and not connecting with you. And now you're a woman so you've gone through this sort of like in your childhood, now you're a woman, and you're like, okay, you know what? Pass is pass. Let's yes, go. Yes, yes. And I think we do that. Wow. Bonnie, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think we do that, and, and there's nothing shameful about it because, but in God's grace, he knows we need to survive. We knows to get through the hard times. We, mm-hmm. we have to make vows, you know, that strong part of us that overcomes. And But here's the beauty. God's saying... What worked for us in one season isn't what I intend for you for Mm -hmm. a lifetime. Mm -hmm. We were not created to carry the burden, to walk alone, and to constantly be strong. And that God wants us to let go of one of those vows we made earlier in our lives. And one of those vows is, I need to keep the peace no matter what. That's one of the vows I made. And God's saying, um, you need to let go. Now, I I did not hear this in a way that was just, oh, I'm sitting here having a cup of coffee and tea, and God just said, you need to let go of your vows. In fact, it came at a time when I started having panic attacks. I started experiencing anxiety, and it's so interesting, Melinda, because I went on to graduate from UCLA. You know, it's kind of the what I thought was a typical immigrant overcomer experience, put myself through school. Okay, I finally made it into the normal people real world. (laughs) Meaning, you know, that's why I said the new creation, I really loved it. Okay, I'm gonna be part of the normal, happy, unbroken people. And this baggage I have, Mm -hmm. let's just like, hey, yeah, it's under the cross, let's forget about it. By the way, when Apostle Paul said, forgetting what's behind us to move towards the goal of Christ. 
I realized when I looked closer, what Paul was telling us he was forgetting wasn't his past. It was his identity as a Pharisee. It was his identity of living life by following the rules and looking good. Mm, good, good. So yeah. it doesn't, faith is not an eraser for the past. In fact, faith, it takes greater faith to look back at those broken pieces, to take them out mm. and to say, God, this is painful. I don't understand it. I, I'm, I'm upset. Why did this have to happen to me? That just takes faith. That takes faith that God invites us. He welcomes us. Now, now this sounds very beautiful at this time because I'm on the other side of it. But when it was happening, I was having panic attacks. And it was during a time where I already grew up. I kind of started living this cookie cutter life of what I thought was the mountaintop experience of being a believer. Okay, I found a husband, loving husband. I just had two kids. And I was like, phew, I just breathed a sigh of relief. Like, I actually made it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now I can build a new generation, you know, a legacy of faith, you know. And it was in that moment I started having panic attacks. I'd be sleeping, not worried at all. I got married later in life, Melinda, in my 30s. And um, so I already had a career for 15 years in high tech. And I had the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom. And so um, I wasn't worried about any particular thing. And I started choking. I would wake up jolted, choking. Oh, My throat started wow. narrowing and my heart would start palpitating. I'm just sleeping, you know, peacefully. Something, <coughs> you know, like cannot breathe. And I was like, gosh, that's really scary. I mean, I was hoping actually that I had some kind of illness or disease because to me that was not as scary as what the doctor told me. The doctor said, Bonnie, your tests are normal. Oh my gosh, that was scary for me because that meant, oh no, do I have to see a therapist? That to me was like the kiss of quote unquote death because I grew up in a Christian culture that told me all I need is Jesus, meaning pray more, praise more, sing more, uh, more Bible verses. Read the Bible yeah. more. Yeah, read the Bible more, memorize scripture. Yeah, exactly. Got it. And so, like, yeah. I was like, oh, no, my faith is flawed. And I was, like, a Bible teacher at my church. I was training others to be Bible teachers, you know, and I was a leader by that time. I'm in my 30s, you know, and I'm just like... I can't tell anybody. So I secretly went to talk to the head honcho. He was overseeing a hundred different therapists at a Christian counseling center. And I just kind of asked him, I go, Hey, who, who can I see, you know, to get, you know, get this fixed. And he's like, within a minute, Melinda, within a minute, he said, Hmm. He's like, this is a classic case of PTSD. I was like, PTSD, I, I've never been a soldier. I've never seen violence. Oh my goodness, Bonnie, that's exactly when I first heard it. I always thought PTSD was only from being in war and a soldier. And in my own life, you know, my therapist, Christian therapist, actually said I was dealing with PTSD and I'd never heard that from the things that had happened in my past, from the things that were done to me in the past. And I had no idea. That's why I was in a depression. That's why I had a major panic attack on the side of a road one day. No I clue. And then when they said that is trauma, that is, you know, PTSD, it was like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that that was called trauma. I thought that was just called 
pain or bad things happening to me. I didn't know the word was trauma, what I experienced. This is good. Go ahead. Keep going. This is really good. No, but thank good. you so much. I love the way you articulate that. You know, that's why we need different <laughs> voices because even as you're speaking, mm-hmm. you're giving language to my experience. And then I'm a little more whole having, feeling like I am known. And that's really the point of Sweet Like Jasmine. This is not just a memoir about Bonnie. It's saying, hey, what are the stories that we hide as women and men because we want and it's normal there's nothing shameful we want to belong we want to be accepted but yes but um so okay yeah so the therapist so yeah ptsd so you're not so i I was like wait but i i'm not a soldier and he said well did you know that verbal abuse and emotional abuse has the same impact as physical abuse Mm. and i was like no (laughs) what yeah it's the same response to mm-hmm. our bodies. And I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, the second question I asked was, but I, I'm good now. I'm happy. I'm not worried about anything. I'm in a loving relationship. I've been through worse times in my life. As you know, you, you know, read the book. I was <laughs> yes. like, why is it happening yeah. now? And oh my gosh, this changed my life. This changed my faith walk and propelled me into trying to go back to find my father. Okay. Which is what happened. This, this book describes, yeah. but he said to me, when does a soldier get panic attacks? He doesn't do have panic attacks when he's on the battlefield, when he's being strong, helping others, totally great at problem solving, being positive, and surviving and overcoming. When does a soldier have panic attacks? Oh, um, and so he asked yeah. that question. Yeah. So you're yes. asking me. Um, he has panic attacks when he's not on the field probably on his cot at night i don't know like when he's not when he's not doing exactly when he comes home when he's safe it's when he's safe Ah. that his body his nervous system the way god made our nervous system to protect us it's actually a positive thing god made it so that it protects us in the moment because when the moment that we're being hurt or wounded or in harm's way and again emotionally or verbally it protects us so that we can deal with the situation. It's just natural, but just as well, just as natural when we're safe, that's when it comes out. Our body can then express finally what we could not at the time. And so he said, it's the opposite. He said, it's not that your faith is flawed or that you're weak. It's because you've been strong. It's because you've trusted God. It's because your faith has gotten you through hard times. Now it's a different way of exercising your faith. Now you're going to use your faith to heal. Yeah. And so it suddenly took away the shame. I'm like, oh, it's Mm. because I did good. It's because I did use my faith. And now the way God's created me and us, we're not to indefinitely hold on to that. Our nervous system, when we're safe and relaxed, and so it makes sense to me now. I was like, why is it happening now when I'm a mom? Okay, finally, whoo, that, that exhale. We, we're positive. We're dreaming. We want to create new things, beautiful things. That means we're safe. And that's when a lot yeah. of, uh, like, say, moms, or it could be any stage in life before a wedding or maybe a new ministry, a new job, some kind of positive, safe uh, change in life. That's actually when... Mm-hmm things like depression or anxiety might surface because things early in our lives that we could not experience before now, our body is telling us, hey, uh, we need to you know, heal, we need to nurture. Yeah. 
Hi, this is Becca, the associate producer of See Here Love, interrupting this great conversation to let you know that there are more shows and great content and blogs at seeherelove.com and our YouTube channel. Content to help you and give you tools as you care for your mental health, relationships, being single, being married, family issues, your self-confidence. We're here for you, to help you find joy and small wins in your everyday as we lean into relationship with Jesus and intentional community. So check us out at seeherelove.com. And if you want to help us keep making this kind of content, you can donate to us at seeherelove.com donate. And really, to keep Melinda and I working and with jobs, donate. And finally, if you found this episode inspiring, please take a moment to share it with someone who would enjoy it and to rate and review our podcast. It really helps. Now back to Melinda to tell you what our amazing partners are up to. So See Here Love is passionate about justice for everyone, everywhere. And that's why we are so honored to partner with IJM Canada, an organization working toward just that. IJM Canada's mission is to protect people in poverty from violence by rescuing victims, bringing criminals to justice, restoring survivors to safety and strength, and helping local law enforcement build a safe future that lasts. If you'd like to be a part of this work, go to IJM.ca and find out how you can become a freedom partner today and help rescue and protect millions of people worldwide. So did you see that when he said PTSD, did you have to kind of do an inventory and go, okay, my, my toxic relationship with my mom, the loss of my dad, um, and even you know within your own story here, you share about even just the assault that happened to you on that date um, as well, yeah. right? I mean, there was, there was many traumatic Bonnie things that have happened to yes. you that if you just didn't, if you didn't deal with them, they would just like, and it ha it's happened to me where, you know, my, my eighth month dark night of the soul depression happened because I literally did not deal with five major things in my life and it compounded and I, I had a fender bender with a car in front of me and I got out and I'll never forget this and it was a woman in a minivan and it was just a light fender bender and I got out and I started shaking and I started hyperventilating. She goes, "Did are you hurt? And I'm like, no, I don't know what's going on. She goes, no, I'm not hurt. It was just a slight fender bender. Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not okay. I couldn't breathe. And it was like this huge, and I'm on the side of the road and these cars had all stopped because the way I was acting looked like I had been seriously physically hurt. And it actually was a trigger when immediately I went to my doctor and my therapist, they said, you had not dealt with all of these traumatic things in your life. And that moment triggered something that compounded everything, and that's how it happened. And I went into a, a very dark time. But it's interesting, and I, I guess I'm asking you, when you saw that, did you then have to look at all of the things in your life that were traumatic and realize that that's what was happening and then work through those? Well, you know what was interesting, Melinda, is that I actually had trouble. I couldn't like connect with the word trauma because I, I really don't feel like I had anything ah. traumatic. So <clears throat> my therapist said, okay, um, was there any moments where you felt like hurt or wounded? 
Oh, I was like, oh gosh, well, where'd I begin? You know, like those are words that I felt like I could connect yes. with hurt or wounded. So okay. it just begin with one. So um, because it's so important to see a therapist, because I always describe it like there's like you're in the jungle and you need a guy that's been through the safari. He can kind of guide mm -hmm. us through because I mean, I, I think we'd all be so overwhelmed, right? But he said, start with the earliest memory you have of feeling like wounded or hurt. And so that, that story I shared about the cutting up of pictures was one of the first one that yes. surfaced. But interestingly enough, only after I shared that one, then another one surfaced. So it's not like I had like a field of them. I just, it was just first one. And then it's interesting as our heart opens up, this is called Sweet Like Jasmine because um, in Jasmine Tea, um, Dragon Pearl, it's like this really uh, closed tightly bud of jasmine flowers that gives the fragrance, but it only opens when the tea is warm and it's under heat that, that those petals open up. So it's almost like this petal. It's like I first began with one Beautiful. and then as I did, my heart began to open and I started feeling and, and, and this memory started surfacing. So like the one on sexual assault with date rape, that one, yeah. I seriously had just tied a nice pretty bow around it because first of all, I told myself, okay, um, I don't want anybody to know because who, what nice Christian guy would want me for a wife because. Oh, honey, that's so, that's the first thing yes. you think of. Like, isn't it like not about my own safety and self, but oh my goodness, who is going to want me because that has been done yes. to me. I, I, I get that. Like I, and it's, it's a, it, anyway, go on. I just, it's so fascinating. That's our initial response. Yes. You know, because, um, he was a Christian. He was a Bible study leader. I'd known him for basically the first year of my freshman <sighs> year. So I really felt yeah. safe. And obviously the people will read about in the book, but, um, I was not safe mm -hmm. apparently. And, um, it was sexual assault as date rape. And um, at that moment, um, the only way I could like put myself together was to tell myself, God makes me new. God makes all things new. You know, I just use all this scripture to say, mm -hmm. I'm okay. Um, it's under the cross and um, now I'm pure and white as snow. I would just tell myself all this truth because I wouldn't want to deal with the truth of what happened and what does it mean to mm -hmm. me. And so I just kind of like, okay, that's fine. And I didn't even deal with it. I, it's really denial, really denial. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until I got, but I yeah, wanted to ahead. like that girlfriend, Emma, like I actually got please, emotional please, because every girl, every woman needs a girlfriend please. like Emma. But I think when you wrote, when you called her and you just said she didn't lecture or anything like you should have known, why didn't you? And there's a lot about safety, but I love how she says, um, you know, first of all, you know, take a deep breath. I'm here for you. You're going to be okay. But then she just talks about that. Like, this is amazing. I don't see you any less, Bonnie. You're still the beautiful girl I know and love, and nothing will change that. God will use this in your life. Yeah, I mean, I cry now well, because... I cry. Actually, I was reading that, Bonnie, and I was like, you know, for someone to affirm that to a woman versus how so many times we point fingers and say, you should have known, why did you, blah, blah, blah. We don't need that. We, we know that. We don't need that in, in, a, in a time of trauma and, and hurt and woundedness. Um, but for Emma to kind of present that, you know, you'll be okay, I'm here for you. God knows that, it doesn't change anything about you. You're still beloved and valued, like, oh. Well, yeah, you know, she beautiful. didn't ask me any details. Like, okay, how did it happen? Where yeah. were you? It's like, it takes us out of like 
our emotional space. Instead, she just said that. And I was just crying and crying. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, oh. Emma. Who's going to want me? I don't know what to do. And in that moment, you know, when you told me you read it so emotional because when you read her words, doesn't it take us back, you know, the moment where we're hurt and wounded? The voice of the friend, it will always stay in our hearts and minds. And it brings us back to that memory where we feel we're safe. And she, as I was crying, asking her all these deep questions, she did not recite Bible verses. She just said, Bonnie, I don't see you any less. You're just as beautiful. And she said, God is going to use this. God is going to use this. I know, this. it just got me chills. Yes, yes. You know, and so it's like right in that moment, I felt like completely loved. She knew what my fear was, and she's like, I don't see you any less. And how did I know that? Because she didn't start preaching at me or teaching me or telling me what I need mm -hmm. to do or pray or whatever. She just said it, just stated it. Then she pointed me. She's like, God is going to use this. Right then and there, that change, it could have been such a devastating thing. And that's why I want to write this book because every woman has an experience that you, what you went through that valley is the very encouragement somebody else needs. And so yes. when we hide it, we can't be the light. How can we say God heals the brokenhearted? He lifts up those whose souls are crushed. But then how? How, how does he heal the brokenhearted? So someone needs to hear your story. Someone needs to hear your story. So, um, you know, I, I didn't know this, this was going to happen, but when um, I, I became a mom, I realized all of a sudden all these things I kept hidden, it dawned on me as I stumbled upon my own birth certificate. I was looking for a birth certificate to sign up my child to go to preschool because I had just the baby and I needed that older kid to be in preschool for a couple hours. <laughs> yes. to make popsicle stick art i need that breather <laughs> but i stumbled on my own birth certificate i was like wait a minute i never look at my birth certificate do you look at your birth certificate no i i don't even know where it is yeah exactly yeah i don't even know if i have i don't even know where my birth certificate is exactly. right now actually i was thinking about that the other when i was reading through your book i'm like where is mine i know i just stumbled yes. on it i guess it was just tucked in there somewhere and i was like oh my gosh i looked at it and it said that i was born in a hospital called chinese hospital like why is there a hospital named after an ethnicity i was very curious and that's the yeah, first that's key yeah. that we want to be empowered by we need to be curious and so the second thing it dawned on me because you know i was telling you uh once i was 18 melinda i didn't care where my dad was right but suddenly yeah. i it never occurred to me but my son is going to grow up one day. He's going to ask me, where is grandpa? Mm. Why, why, why am I missing a grandpa? And when did we come to America? Well, guess what? I don't have any answers. And suddenly oh. it hit me really hard. That sense of shame I told you about hiding and not having a story. I realized I don't want to pass that down to my kids. I need to know good, bad, or ugly why my dad left is he dead or alive i need to get answers so that my son doesn't carry the shame that i carried of mm -hmm. not having a story and so that began kind of i wrote it like a mystery i hope you felt melinda it was a page turner yeah and it was good and you're a fantastic writer like storytelling because actually visually i could i i was in those spaces like i saw the cutting i saw you opening up the filing cabinet it's really good oh yeah thank really you. good yeah, so then that's what, this is what this book is about. It's like when I finally went back to face my fears and find out and cover the family secrets that I'd run away from and try to find the father, what happened and what did God show me um, 
about my true worth and the identity that he wanted to rewrite. So God can rewrite our stories. He can. He doesn't want us to erase them. He wants to rewrite them with his love. Yeah. And I don't want to give away too much of the story because I want people yeah. to go and get your book, Sweet Little yeah. Jasmine. But I want to just maybe some just short answers on, mm. you know, the book is really about, you know, what I had mentioned earlier about these, these you want to get unstuck and out yes. of these three areas. So talk to me about just perfectionism. Um, how does that come about and what have you been doing to kind of stop that cycle of perfectionism in your life? Well, I think that perfectionism before, you know, I never really identified myself as a perfectionist. I felt like I was a planner, but I said perfectionism is really just hiding, hiding and the desire to pursue where I felt like my story was never good enough. I always felt like I needed to make changes in my life so that it could be more normal or more beautiful. And I didn't know that the, my life as it is already, there's beauty in it. God makes beauty out of brokenness because that's what these stories shaped me. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, how to let go of perfectionism is first, and I want to actually read a quick excerpt is, yes, oh, please do. okay, I love that. oh, please, thank you, is I had to, this became my prayer. I asked myself, what would I say or do if I were to be more honest than I am comfortable with? So I want to ask our viewers and our listeners, what would you do differently if you were to be more honest than you're comfortable with? Or what would you tell somebody? What would you say to yourself if you were more honest than you're comfortable with? Yes. And so Good. there is a moment I want to read an excerpt where I had to yeah. be more honest than I'm comfortable with. Because I think when we're not willing to go there, that's when we tell ourselves other stories. We make up other stories about the truth so that we can yeah. feel like we can you know, be okay. Um, I told you I didn't get married until my 30s because I didn't fall in love in my 20s. Now, I'm a very sociable person. Um, so I was like, there must be something wrong with me because why am I not falling in love? And by the time I hit 30, I was like, gosh, most of my friends now are already married or have kids. And I was like, maybe I'm destined to be alone the rest of my life because maybe I never had a dad. Maybe this is my calling is to serve God as a single person. And then the best I can get out of life is just to serve others. So I put it in my mind. I will choose singleness. Um, but then to my surprise, um, I was thinking I would marry an Asian person because they would understand all the dysfunction that happens in my family um, but it turned out there's this blonde hair blue-eyed guy that showed up in our 30 singles ministry and he one week in July 4th he's like hey let's go ride the roller coasters you know with our friends our brothers and sisters and this is the secret I was 30 in my 30s girl I said I didn't tell him this but my mother prioritized family so she said every holiday you need to spend family time with me you don't put anybody else about family um, and so I told Eric, I didn't tell him that. I just said, oh, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And most guys would just be like, oh, okay, that's cool. But Eric was different. Eric's like, why? What are you doing July 4th? You don't have to work. And suddenly I couldn't tell him, oh, yeah, because my mom is dysfunctional and she would rage at me if I went somewhere. <laughs> so I decided, you know what, maybe, maybe I can go. So I asked my mom, and this is the scene, what happened. Okay. Ah, ma, that's Chinese for mom. 
This is just a simple fun weekend to go ride the roller coasters. I haven't dated anyone since college. I'm 31 years old, Ama. Maybe you're right, maybe it won't last, but I like Eric. I won't know if I don't try. I've taken care of you my whole life. Why can't you be happy for me? I started crying because I was more scared than anything. Scared that I said it so bluntly. Scared because I'd never spoken to my mom like this. How stupid can you be, Ama said. A man comes along and pays you a little attention and you think that makes you special? She scoffed. I, you've forgotten who you are. You're Bonnie Lee. You're my daughter. She screamed at the top of her lungs, her eyes wild with rage, wailing with all her might like she was blowing all the air out of her lungs, her face turning purple, her hands balled up in a fist. If I thought I was scared before, I was beyond terrified now. I felt I was teleported into a horror movie. I thought she would storm out. I would hear her grab her car keys and slam the front door as she often did as a little girl, leaving me alone at home by myself. Instead, Amma tore out, thundering into the kitchen, and I heard drawers opening and slamming shut. The next thing I knew, she flew back into the room with the glint of steel, brandishing a large pair of scissors in her hand. She shoved my sliding closet doors open, violently yanking my clothes off the hanger. She was shaking. She pulled apart my clothes by the neck openings to tear them up, cutting up my clothes, running the blade of the shears against my clothes with one hand and tugging them like she was strangling the life out of them. Everything you have, everything you are is because of me. Without me, there would be no you. She screamed it as she clawed at my desk, clutching whatever she could get her hands on, ejecting my books, notebooks, swiping and throwing them all over my room in a confetti of flurry. I stood there choking in my tears, unable to move or breathe. I was confused. How can something so simple become so very wrong? A thought hit me like a siren. Something is really, really wrong. Wow, Bonnie. And you know, we all have moments like this. You know, you kind of like carry carry along. And you're like, I'm okay. I can handle this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, um, trouble the waters. I don't want to, conf- you know, I want. I don't want conflict. I don't want things to blow up. And we just kind of like tell ourselves stories. We just take all that burden onto ourselves. And there is a moment, whether it's a job that is not right, whether it's a relationship that is just not healthy, whether it's a girlfriend that is actually stabbing you in the back, uh, it's somebody at church you're serving with, and it's just something is not right. There's this moment you know, but you're so afraid. What would it mean? And now I, I, I'm going to leave you on that cliffhanger because I would like friends to buy the book (laughs) and figure out, find out what happens, but I'm not going to leave us on an emotional cliffhanger. So what I did is I write, I journal. That's like my one safe place as a little girl, Melinda. My Mm. journal was where no one could tell me what to do, tell me what to think. And it's in that journal as I went through, you know, the therapy as these memories surfaced, I, I asked myself, what is it I would tell my younger self? And what is it that God would say to me? So let me share this with you. I put it straight in the book. Sure. I'm unfiltered, yeah, right. and it's to encourage our viewers and listeners today. You are worthy 
of peace. Beloved, you will have to make a very hard decision one day to choose peace over fear. You'll have to keep choosing to believe that you are worthy of that peace. You will have to leave even though you've given your all to stay. Peace isn't freedom from conflict. Peace is trusting God enough to make the right decision in the midst of conflict. Choosing peace will mean you will need to let go of something or someone you've held on to in order to take the hand of God who promises to lead you beside quiet waters. You will need to count the cost and set your face like flint to leave what is not healthy because to continue staying with someone or something that is abusing you or hurting you emotionally, toxic to your well-being, hurting your body, your heart and your soul is breaking the heart of God. To choose peace, you will need to be honest with yourself. There will come a time for this honesty and that time is now. Wow, Bonnie, that's that that really answers the, you know this question about breaking cycles of perfectionism or emotional exhaustion or toxic relationship about choice and choosing peace beautiful and and people need to know your story they need to get this book speak like jasmine and and really spend the time to read and think through your own story and hear your story because I, I i think for a lot of women and men there are there are points and moments in the story that all that we can all relate to that we've all been there in some way have we had toxic relationships with our parents a hundred percent have we had experienced trauma or wounds yes have we uh you know some of us have been you know assaulted um physically you know um and and mentally and spiritually yes um have many been on a journey for discovery and uncovering of, of secrets or truth yes so your story really encapsulates so many of us in our own story and i think just what you said there was beautifully written and said you know choosing peace you know you know choosing and i think choosing in that relationship with god um finding that peace within him so fantastic i i loved it thank you thank you so much and i do want to just ask this question because i know it seems like a weird bonus question but you know i'm coming out of a you know a time where i'm talking about women friendships and now that you're my girlfriend i can i can ask you your thoughts but just what are your thoughts about um and it's come to my attention where you know it's it's basically called grown-up mean girls <laughs> and talking about toxic relationships but what are your thoughts about why women, grown-up women, um, still are mean to other women? What, maybe ask, I'll ask you why you think that and how we can, and maybe I think the answer is in what you've actually said, but how we can, if you're a mean girl or you are on the receiving end of a mean girl, what, what can... Okay, I have to tell you a story because... Um... You know, okay. I am um, actually a pretty quiet person. I'm not quiet when it comes to encouraging others and like I love, you know, mm -hmm. helping others, cheering people on. But when it comes to my own self, I'm pretty quiet. So one time there was this retreat I was invited in and um, it's all these uh, different um, like uh, writers. And um, 
there are some people you could tell right away that they were the popular ones. They're the extroverted ones and everybody's flocking to them. And then I'm new and I'm one of the few Asians that are part of this uh, community and I flew in for this. And so um, it's time to go eat. And so, you know, all the popular people are trying to figure out, oh, which car to go to, da, 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 da. And then just by God's grace, somebody that I had talked to, I didn't know, you know, as, you know, sometimes with these retreat or conferences, you know, somebody I talked to apparently was one of these popular girls. And she's like, oh, Bonnie, Bonnie, come, come, come in our car. So I was like, oh, wow, this is great. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be able to meet, you know, other people. So we sit in the car in the back and suddenly somebody opens the door, a mean girl, and she literally climbs over me. She puts her butt right in between me and this other person she literally shoves me out she's like oh, oh yeah no seriously and i'm a grown-up woman okay so she's like oh no 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 you can go in the other car this car is for uh so and so so and so and so and so you know listing the names um you you can go in that other car over there and because she just starts chatting with this other new friend that had invited me so like that new friend you know, didn't even get a chance to like say anything because this other mean girl already shoved me off and told me to go. I literally was standing there at the door and it's kind of like all those like wounded places I had been rejected before. It just all was, oh my gosh, I was like a grown up woman. I was trying my hardest not to burst into tears. Oh. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. It was terrible. I sat over in the other so car. So why do you think? Well, because you I, sh- I should have said something. I should have said like, "Hey, no, I," you know, but I couldn't. So I just like, oh, that the inability to speak when somebody is dissing you or, you know, putting it aside. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is so traumatic, right? Okay, yeah. so why do you think she did that? Um, you know, obviously, you know, sweet like Jasmine, it's all about knowing your worth. I mean, this girl apparently. Um, you know, needed to sit next to this person and make, wanted to make sure she was in the center of things. So anything that stood in her way, like they're not important. And so mm-hmm. unfortunately they judge you by your appearance in um, Samuel. It says that man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. So one look at me, Oh, this girl's quiet. She's new. I don't know who she is. She's different from me. Okay. Easy. Just shove her out. But um, so I think there's two reasons. One, she needed her worth so desperately. It didn't matter what it took. It, and plus, I'm mm-hmm. probably easy target. I'm a quiet person. So that's the second reason. If um, people, I would imagine, um, just from a shepherd's heart, not to be judgmental towards her, but really if through a shepherding heart, if that happened to my daughter or son, I would say, you know what? I think that this person probably hasn't been loved very well so it's really important for her to like get to whatever she needs she doesn't see you and so you're invisible to her but you know what you're not invisible and I'm so sorry that's so painful come here I would just give this person a hug and I was like see that's why God's going to use that brokenness for something beautiful now you're going to be able to notice that quiet person the person that thinks is like oh it doesn't matter if nobody talks to her or him and so that's what I've done because I've gone through my own journey of you know healing so now I I can be able to say that to myself I can say that to my children I can say that to another woman that I've met I'm like yeah you know I am so sorry that is so painful that is so wrong you don't deserve that you know just affirming that feeling and then say like you know what God is going to use that just like Emma said to me right God is going to use that you know you're going to be that voice and I get goosebumps right now you're going to get that mm-hmm. you're going to be that voice 
you're going to notice that person that's different. And you're going to fight for her. If you see it happening, you're going to be like, hey, uh, no, no, Bonnie was here. You know, there was nobody there that said it. No, right. no other woman said it that was in the car already. I think that's key, Bonnie. I think as part of that, right? Because that's, you know, and what I'm hearing you say is, you know, a lot of mean girls, it comes out of their own brokenness yes. and hurt or need for power yes. and control to feel better about yes. themselves. But I think that's really important for you to say that when you see a mean girl saying something to somebody, that we need to be women to also stand yes. up and, and defend and speak up. Yes. That's right. Like, that's so important. Yes, that's right. That's right. That is so important. So we can use that. Don't just focus on why is that person so mean and like, oh my gosh, she's such a witch. And you know, it's like so easy to just channel all that anger towards that, but use that anger to be like, you know what, I'm going to fight for, you know, whoever I feel is like not getting the, you know, the love and kindness and respect. So we can use our anger to, ch anger to channel it that way. God is, has that mean girl on his own healing path for her. I don't know what her story is going to be, but we need to release ourselves from needing to have to make that right. We, we can use, we can use our energy in our life towards helping somebody else. So that's how I, I take those painful experiences. Obviously we need healing and you'll love this Melinda, a UCLA, um, imaging, brain imaging study, um, that was done. They had participants look at all these negative photos that people had, you know, sadness, anger, um, worry, and they put biometrics that's going to fall. They put biometrics onto their body and their heart rates went up, their pupils were dilated, and they're like completely bodies are stressing out. But they had them to look at them a second time. The only difference is this time, name the emotion you're seeing. That's all they needed to do, just label it. And guess what? Their blood pressure went down, their heart rates mm. were rested, their bodies whew, relaxed. So simply the way God made us, we were not made to stay silent. We were made to express and tell our stories when something painful, hurtful happens. God says our bodies release the stress when we share. That's amazing. I love that. That's exactly it. So I think, I think that we we share our story, we, we speak up and, and defend, you know, those that we're seeing that are being attacked or hurt. And I. I absolutely agree. I love that. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's the role. And I think too, I think, you know, even understanding why women are that way, it, it gives you a little bit more understanding of like the attack. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't take it so personally. So thank you so much, Bonnie, uh, Gray for your incredible story for this interview. Go get the book, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of loneliness, so much good wisdom in it and story. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for being with us. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for sharing your story about making peace with your past and imagining a joyful future and for sharing so honestly and openly about the trauma of your experience and the healing that you have received. So thank you so much for joining us and know that as you navigate relationships, as you are kind to one another and yourself, know that in all of these relationships, you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time on See, Here Love. See, Here Love thanks our partners who make this show possible. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. 
Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.